to, I mean, the most important podcast of all time, arguably. Possibly. <laughs> Get ready to have your lives freaking changed. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Welcome to Watching Up, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. We are your hosts. I'm Rachel. And I'm Michelle. And we're back to talk about the phenomenon of a lifetime. This is our official Barbenheimer spoiler episode. The one everybody's been waiting for. I've had people calling, texting, DMing, Text, sending me smoke <laughs> signals, signals in the sky, skywriters, Morse code, pigeons. Oh my God. Everybody's <laughs> just been hounding me for this Clamoring. podcast episode. Okay. Same. <laughs> and we've been having the same exact experience over the last week. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to talk about it, to get into all of the meat and potatoes. Um, but, you know, if you don't want spoilers, we always put time codes in the show notes. So yes. be sure to check that out if there's anything that maybe you want to skip over. Yes. Um, but before we get into that, I want to know what you've been up to, sister. What the hell have I been doing? You know, I've been so busy. It just, like, it never ends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, I've been, like, staying in the house a lot recently. Same, same. Um, well, last it's too GD hot. It's to do super hot. It is currently 106 degrees in Dallas. Um, oh my god! Like you want to fry an egg on the floor type of hot. Um, <laughs> but we did. We went to the movies last Friday and saw Talk to Me, the new horror movie from A24. Oh yeah, and it was good. It was very scary your little pants off it was scary i don't i like i thought i was gonna be more scared mm -hmm. but um no it was good like it was a directorial debut for these two brothers who i can't remember their names right now but they're from australia and mm -hmm. um it was a good good first movie i really enjoyed it um and it was pretty scary, can't lie. It was pretty disturbing, I guess I would say. Yeah. And then the rest of the weekend, I pretty much stayed home and was working on some DIY projects. I'm painting the cabinets in our like little bar area. Mm -hmm. um, so finally getting around to that i don't know how it's gonna <laughs> turn out i'm skeptical of my i'm skeptical of my uh paint choice skills yeah um, but i bet it's gonna look chic that's really it we also went bowling Ooh, fun so not in the house but it was fun did you win no I never went bowling. <laughs> bowling is. I didn't fun. get last either. I think I got second, actually. That's all that matters. Um, that's all that matters. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I was last. Um, 
And yeah, that's really all that I've been up to and kind of having an existential crisis yesterday, but I feel better now because I exercised. <laughs> hey, what a freaking joke it is that exercise makes you feel better. <laughs> I know, like one day I'm like, the world is hopeless. There's no point in living anymore. And then I like... Yeah do one 30 minute exercise I'm like okay I feel like I can go on (laughs) yeah well I'm glad you feel better yeah sorry you had a rough day are you about to start your period no I just finished it but usually that would be the culprit my husband asked that too and I was like no I'm just depressed (laughs) I've been trying to figure out if like Yeah, because I've been having more kind of like intense episodes Mm -hmm. (laughs) lately. And I'm like, is it because of my period? Is there something going on? Like what's happening? Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think just like not being able to go outside, like, yeah, fucks with me and my diet hasn't been the best It all. Like it all affects me. Yeah. And I always try to make excuses that it doesn't and then I'm like no it does and then when I do better I feel better so yeah there's always a way you gotta find the way (laughs) into the light there's a well there's a way (laughs) exactly (laughs) what about you well this weekend I kind of did the same thing I've just been like trying to stay inside or not trying but having to yeah (laughs) now I am become deaf destroyer of worlds sorry everyone (laughs) we had a bit of a we're having a bit of an audio issue today so if this sounds a little different it's because my mic's not freaking working damn it so thanks for your patience yeah (laughs) but as i'm saying (laughs) i have been (laughs) trying to or being forced to stay inside to keep cool and to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but my friend over the weekend had a housewarming party. So I went to that. Oh, that's fun. Shout out Katie. What's up, girl? <gasps> One of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> She's a listener. Oh, hi, Katie. Congratulations on your Yeah, home. congrats. <laughs> um, but it was really fun, though. I got to, like, meet some new people and see some people I haven't seen in a while. So... Yeah, that was really fun. Um, and other than that, I went and saw Oppenheimer on Sunday, and I did my homework. And we will be discussing it. <laughs> and we will be diving into the depths, the depths of hell. But before that, let's just quickly—we're going to make it quick because we know what y'all are here for. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about claim to fame in The Bachelorette. Yes, let's do it. So this week on Claim to Fame. (laughs) (laughs) Alliances were made. (laughs) Alliances were made. Choices were made. Things were said. Um, This was kind of a like a eventful episode, I feel like. Yeah. so I guess we we started out with the, or I guess the first like big thing that happened was the challenge. 
see mm-hmm. by the lie detector challenge um, where they all had to go into an interrogation room <laughs> with this actor. <laughs> who oh was my playing. gosh, he was so funny. He was playing like this really heightened like detective. <laughs> he was reminding me of like Eric Andre. Yeah, he looked a little like him, and he was acting and, like, like he was him. acting like him, like just yeah. so over the top. <laughs> um, and they uh, get hooked up to like a heart rate monitor, um, mm-hmm. which is very not like it's not um, like a law enforcement level technology or anything like that. It just like tracks well, their heart. I thought rate. last season they actually had like. A lie detector guy, like around their chest and stuff, uh-huh. and like a yeah. guy that reads. I think like, so too, and says like they're lying or telling the truth. I yeah. felt like that was better than just them guessing what their heart rate means. Yeah, but I guess it makes it a little bit harder to yeah figure out when they're lying or not. Yeah, um, but basically, like one person goes into the interrogation, and the rest of the people are. are in a different room where they're able to ask questions. I don't know. It was like five questions or something like that. Uh-huh. And the person can answer, they can lie or they can not lie. But the, the rest of the people have access to see like whether their heart rate spikes or anything like that. So they can try and determine like if mm-hmm. they're lying. Um, and so I don't know. What were the big takeaways from that? Do you think? I don't know because they didn't like tell us if it was a lie or not. And I don't feel like I could tell by the heart rates. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, I guess they were, they were like writing down if they thought they were lying and then they scored them. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Gabriel won. Whoever got most. So I guess if you go by, if I watched it back and went by like what he thought, if they were lying or not then I would be able to figure out more. But mm-hmm. I don't think I necessarily like got anything from that, <laughs> from that yeah. game. Right, right. Yeah, other than, well, honestly, at this point, we kind of like have most of them figured out. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who we don't. Like obviously Olivia, but we found hers out at the end of the episode. Well, we figured out JR this episode, too. Yeah. And then who else? Was that it? We know Gabriel. We know Chris. We know... We know Hugo. Hugo. We know... Oh, we don't know Carson. Oh, right. Yes. We thought we did. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) They thought... um, They thought that it was Jeff Gordon. Um, But, yeah, I think that the... I guess the main takeaway for me was that, like you said, Gabriel won the challenge. And I feel like he has potential to win the show for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's gotten close. I think everyone still thinks his is an athlete. Yeah. Everyone's pretty set on that track, Um, which is interesting. And then another part of the episode that I thought was interesting was we were texting about Gabriel. Hugo and Olivia's conversation like out on the terrace where she was like she was just like flat out telling him like you're I think you're either Trump or Jimmy Carter and then she she told him flat out or he was like is yours carrot top and she was like yes which 
we find out it was a lie. But Um, I just don't think she had a strategy. No, she was just trying to fly under the radar, I think. Yeah. Which can only get you so far. When she found out that she was the guesser, I just think she was, like, trusting everybody. Like, she had to have forged some, like, strategic relationships before that point in -hmm. order to get, like, information from other people. And she just hadn't, so... Right. She really yeah. only had one option. Like she did the only thing she could have done. Yeah, definitely. And on kind of on that note, I think that it's uh, smart that Gabriel is kind of making an alliance with Chris because I think mm-hmm. they're the two best players. Mm-hmm. But he also, I think, was it Chris? Yeah, I think Chris also was like kind of making an alliance with Monet. But then he flat out lied to Olivia. Yeah. Uh, which is just very gameplay I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have as well. <laughs> I would be so bad at it. I don't know. I think if I was doing the interrogation one, I would just lie on every question so that... I think that Hugo's strategy was smart to like get his heart rate up. Yeah, that's what I would have done. Yeah. yeah, he was like, I'm thinking about car crashes. I'm thinking about, like, stressful things. I would have like, done jumping jacks or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His heart rate was at, like, 140. <laughs> it was so high. Um, but, yeah. And then, so, after the challenge, Gabriel won. So, he has immunity. And then Chris and Olivia were the bottom two. So they That surprised were... me that Chris was in the bottom too. Me too. It would be hard though to like be able to tell. But again, I wasn't really like I couldn't really figure out how they were like scoring that game. <laughs> I think it was they marked down like if they think the answer was a lie or not on each person mm. and whoever got the most like correct. Mm-hmm. Um I thought that they were gonna give that information though to the winner, like these are the questions that they were lying about, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they did. I don't know either. Um, but then Gabriel goes to the the clue room and he pulls mm-hmm. JR's clue. Mm-hmm. And the clue, and he figures it out really quick again. And, like, yeah. he's really good at figuring those out. Yeah, he is. Um, it was bold artist who went to Old Town Road or something like that. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. But I was proud of myself (laughs) because I figured, like, earlier in the episode, JR said his celebrity person, like, had to leave the stage to go poop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Lil Nas X did that one. So (laughs) I figured it out before the clue. Yeah. Yeah. But I also was kind of like, I think he told that to Monet, and Monet was like, I think he just made that up. Well, he was saying it, he was saying it as if he was talking about a basketball player. Oh, okay. He was, like, telling the story... He was saying that, like, his relative was, like, playing in a game and he had to suddenly, like, call a timeout and leave the court. Mm, I didn't Which I think part. he's, I think he's smart trying to, to lead them down the Dwayne Wade route because, obviously, mm-hmm. I said earlier on that I thought he looked like him, so. Well, Gabriel was convinced that it was a basketball player until he pulled the clue. Yeah. Because um, it had nothing to do with basketball. So, yeah, that was smart. So now 
He knows. He thinks he's figured it out. And Chris knows because he shared it with Chris. Yeah. So that's another another guest in the cam. Um, but then it comes time for the guess off. Everyone votes to make Olivia the guesser. And the only person that she thinks she's sure on is Carson. Um, so she picks Carson and she guesses Jeff Gordon, which is what they've been thinking the whole time. Mm-hmm. Turns out is not Jeff Gordon. <laughs> she was wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's another freaking NASCAR driver. <laughs> I don't know any other. <laughs> it's like Dale Earnhardt. figure hers out. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt. Then they asked her in the lie detector, like, is your relative a junior? And mm-hmm. I think she said no, but who knows? She could have been lying. Yeah. Um. So we get the reveal of Olivia's celebrity relative, which was Jenny McCarthy, which, which I did not yeah. see coming <laughs> from any Didn't people. see that coming. I think if I had had more, a little more time, because like the whole time I've been like, no, some of those clues definitely point towards Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have made sense for those to just be like, I guess if they were just trying to misdirect, but yeah. like ne- if we had had more info about her, maybe we could have gotten there, but yeah. yeah, it was, it seemed like all of her clues were for Jim Carrey and like, what do you clue towards for Jenny McCarthy? I don't really know. Um, right. But, but yeah, it's uh, it was a real I'm sure surprise. If we went back and looked at the clues, there probably are nods to it. We just didn't notice. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. She's gone. Bye bye, Olivia. So long. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> um, Does that mean she's also related to Melissa McCarthy? Oh, yeah. Are they cut? They're like cousins <laughs> or something, right? Yeah. That's funny. What? How is she related? Was it her aunt? Jenny McCarthy's her aunt, yeah. But yeah, another exciting episode in the books. I I think at this point I'm definitely gonna start rooting for Gabriel to win. I don't want I him think to get out. Gabriel or Chris. Yeah. I like their little alliance. Yeah. But also still nobody has been able to come up with JB Smooth for Monet. True. Nobody if nobody has they're watched close, Kirby, they're like, like if nobody has watched Curb Your Enthusiasm, they're not going to know. Right. They know, so, like, he's a comedian. They know he was on SNL. They know he was on Curb. They, like, they're close. They're, like, circling around it, but they don't, they haven't yeah. come up with the name yet. They, it, yeah, they're just going to end up having to share it with other people to get it. Yeah. But, yeah. We'll see Getting what happens down next to the week. final. Yeah. I really, I kind of want Carson to get out next. But Me too. To out. I'm like, she's not really I mean, contributing anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's good that she was able to like trick everybody, but also she's not really like playing very well. Yeah. Yeah. And then Hugo, I'm like, he seems weird. <laughs> <But> I like <laughs> Hugo. He's just like, he really is kind of like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah he's just skating by yeah um but cool everyone let us know if you have any guesses for carson because 
we are at a loss. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's going to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Email us the name Dale. <laughs> Send us a pigeon. <laughs> All right. Moving on to Le Bachelorette. Yes. Miss Charity had her hometown dates with her final This was a good four. episode. I actually really liked it. Usually I don't like the hometown. Well, no, I usually like the hometown, but usually it's disappointing. I don't know why. It's usually like less exciting, but I they really usually every- clip like the one exciting line of the show and then and it wasn't like super exciting but I really liked all of their families (laughs) yeah I liked them too um so we started out with Aaron who Mm -hmm. they didn't do anything before meeting his family which was kind of weird because they usually do Mm -hmm. like a little activity or something um but they went straight to his family's quote unquote house. <laughs> I don't know if any of these houses are their real houses, but that looked like their house. They had like out in front they had like the Bryant's like I don't sign in the their garden. house looked like. Uh, it was cute. I, I liked I actually really liked it because their kitchen was like green. It looked like a new house. I didn't pay attention. It was in Houston. Oh. Well um, Neek was like, do you like that kitchen? I was like, yeah. Um but he had who did he have there? His mom and dad and brothers and sister in law. Did he have one brother or two? I can't remember. Me At either. least one. <laughs> I think one. Yeah, because he was like, I'll know that he's in love if he looks at me and smiles. <laughs> I was yes. like, Okay, I'm sure that's not gonna happen at any point during Such your a reuniting. <laughs> Yeah. Um but his family seemed nice. They they all like seemed to take to charity pretty well. She charity uh honestly seemed pretty nervous on all of the dates. Um I would too, but it was kind of funny to see her like I don't know, she's not typically like she's usually pretty composed, I feel like. So it was kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see her like in nervous mode. Mm-hmm. I loved um, his mom. What do you love about her? I just thought she was, like, nice and, like, cool and, like, asked good questions. And she was taller than the dad, and I like that. <laughs> nice. She was, like, yeah. a lot taller than the dad. All the moms were really nice, it seemed. Um, what else? Anything, anything you have to say about Aaron's family? Uh, Not really. It was sweet when he talked to his dad and they were crying. Um, yeah, that was sweet. And he told her that he's falling in love with her. Yeah. He was the only one, I think, who hadn't at that point. Or Xavier hadn't either. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised at, like, the beginning of the date when she was talking about him. Like, when she said um, on their first date, like, she was like, if you had told me this was my husband, I would be like, I believe you or whatever. I was like, really? Right. Yeah, that date wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just because it was the first date and it wasn't, like, abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Afterwards, they, like, went to a football field or something. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really paying attention during that point. Yeah, they danced. Oh, yeah, he played the Lauren Elena song. And she cried. <laughs> that was cute. Mm-hmm. But not as cute as 
one of the other things that somebody did for her. <laughs> that production did for her. <laughs> um, okay, so next was Joey. Yes. Who took her to a tennis court to give her a little lesson, which I thought was cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a surprise guest, which was his uncle. Mm-hmm who he's apparently, like, super close with. Yep. Um, and that's where the drama starts. This was the most, like, dramatic of the of the family dates. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the uncle was, like, expressing his concern that he feels like Joey's not acting like himself. He's kind of being a people-pleaser type where he tends to, like, act the way that he thinks that people want him to act rather than, like, his his genuine self Mm -hmm. so that's what the uncle said he thought that joey was doing which i mean i feel like everybody probably is to a certain extent because they know they're on a tv show (laughs) yeah well Well, yeah and everyone's (laughs) trying to put their best foot forward and right um so like i get where he's coming from but at the same time it's like what do you think is gonna happen like that's just right. dating in general like if you're on a first second third date like you're gonna be trying right to, you're yeah. not automatically a hundred percent open with like your true personality yeah like I'm not I gonna mean, act the yeah. same way I act with like my parents who have known me my entire life you know right yeah so, and so, then yeah. adding the like layer of being film on for television. a tv show like, yeah, yeah exactly i can't imagine <laughs> like what i would be acting like yeah um so that was just kind of interesting that was kind of like the inciting um drama so then mm-hmm. after that they went back to their home and he met or she met his parents and his sisters who were all very pretty they're a good looking mm-hmm. family um mm-hmm. And his uncle was there too. So, really, the I think the only person who was like tough was his uncle. Everyone else seemed yeah. to like her. They didn't sh- even show his dad. Like, it was barely. like the mom and the uncle. <laughs> yeah, the mom talked to Joey first and was like, they had the conversation about them talking about being an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just kind of was. I don't know. He talked a lot about listening and learning, which is whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, that was his mom seemed nice. Yeah. Um, his sisters seemed I liked nice. his sister. I liked all the yeah. sisters from all the families. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, one of his sisters talked to Charity and she said that she really liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Yeah, and then the uncle talked to Joey just about basically expressing those same concerns Mm -hmm. and he talked to charity about it which is what kind of got into her head yeah um and so they ended the date yeah go ahead not not on the best note like they went outside and like sat down and like had a talk and I don't think she was being kind of like fully she wasn't being fully uh transparent about like how she was feeling. She kept saying like she was crying happy tears when like she clearly wasn't. Um and so it was just kind of an off way to end the night, I guess. Yeah. She was unsure or mm-hmm. yeah, she was feeling conflicted, you could tell. Yeah. And she was like, I'm just gonna miss you. 
And he was like, miss you too. <laughs> and She's then she a got liar. In the car and drove away. <laughs> She's a <laughs> filthy liar. She's a filthy liar. <laughs> um, and then we had Xavier's date, or Xavier. I think it's just Xavier, um, which was really cute. Yeah. I love, like, this episode. They went knitting. This episode, Xavier really kind of like won me back. Yeah. Um, He's really handsome and he is and tall. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he knits. Yeah, they went knitting, which was so cute. Yeah. I was like, do you actually know any of these people? There was like a club there (laughs) that was knitting. Yeah, I was uh, like, I don't think he goes here, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, But they seemed like they had fun there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they went back to his family's house where, who was there? Uh, His mom and dad. And who else? His sister. Just his sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because his sister at the end of it was, like, really excited about her. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, yeah. His sister was really pretty, too. Yes, she was. Um, And I I don't know. I just felt like this this whole time... Xavier, or sorry, Xavier was like much more um, like engaged with her and like felt more like open and ready to, I don't know, ready to like receive whatever it was he was receiving mm-hmm. and more willing to kind of like give her what she needed to. Yeah. Did you notice that? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, he was a lot more like locked in and felt more comfortable probably being in his element and mm-hmm. in his town around his family. So, yeah. Um, what stood out with the family? I don't know. Like I said, the sister really, they had a really good Well, at the end, the sister said like, I love her. And he yeah. was like, that's like, it's high praise. His, like my sister doesn't say that about people. So yeah, that was, so that was big. Did he say that he was falling in love? I can't remember. Mm, I don't remember. Probably. No, either. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yes. This episode especially, it was very much like, I don't know, the language of the Bachelor world was like on full display where it's like, yeah. ha- somebody asked her like, has he said falling in love or in love yet? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like... This like terminology is so she's like I'm in between like and falling. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, what? It's just like this is not like real. <laughs> this is not how real people talk. No. Um, but we all we're all kind of, you know, we get it. We're on that page. <laughs> um We're all falling. We're all falling too. <laughs> Speaking of falling, Dotton was next. Well, that's why I, I always pay attention to the order of the hometowns because yeah. it's usually the first hometown gets sent home mm-hmm. and the last hometown is like the front runner right. or usually wins. So I was excited when it was Dotton was last. I know. Ooh, I hope he wins. So they first... Um, what was the first thing they did? They went to um, somewhere. I don't did they do a little activity? I can't remember. Did they go to like a cafe or something? I can't remember. It's like escaping me. 
I don't remember. They did an activity. <laughs> and then he was talking about how his parents uh, go to Nigeria for like an extended period every year. And they're there right now. So they won't be able to make it to the date. Yeah. Um, but she was going to meet like his sisters, I think, and his mm-hmm. aunts and his grandma. His grandma. Yeah. Um, and so when she got there, they were all there and everyone seemed like so nice and his grandma was adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like in the kitchen cooking <laughs> and then she, she like freaked out when he came in. Um, <laughs> and then surprise, surprise, in come his parents. They surprised him. They surprised so him, which is so sweet. Yeah. Um, so, and I know, like, Charity made it clear that she was, like, disappointed that they weren't going to be there. And so, it was just, like, very exciting that she got to meet them. Yeah, um, that was, I liked that a lot. And yeah. I liked his family a lot, too. They seemed really nice. His mom got her, like, a present uh, from Nigeria, like, jewelry mm-hmm. and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and they all just, like, seemed to get along great. She seemed the most comfortable with them, I feel like. Yeah. I could see, like, she fit in nicely with their family, for sure. Yeah. And then, this is the part that got me. (laughs) 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 Dot took her in, like, a white convertible to the drive-in, and he played a little home video, which is so cute. Yeah, that was really cute. It was really cute. And she cried. I would have, I like, I literally cried watching it. I was like, this is so, this is so like, like cheesy, but so Y'all cute. are going to get married. Y'all are in love. Watch her not yeah. with him. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be so disappointed if she doesn't. I, I like Xavier too, but I just feel like. She's Don. not. Yeah, it's done. He's been nothing but like reassuring to her. Yeah. Um. But I just thought that was a really cute little way to end the night. Yeah, it was really, it was really sweet, definitely. <sighs> and so she's obviously. And he was the only falling. one too. Where when she talked to his family, when she was like, "Is Dotton ready to get engaged?" They were like, "Yes." Oh yeah. The that's other right. people were like, "Uh, yeah." She I think asked everyone it, that. like wishy washy, and they're like, right. "No, he's." Like, that's all he wants. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. to be married, like. Ooh, girl, I hope you make the right choice. Yeah. Um, and so at the rose ceremony, Mr. Aaron gets sent home, mm-hmm. which is what I was hoping for. <laughs> I, like, going into this episode, I thought that, and then after watching, I was like, she might send Joey home. But then I wasn't shocked when it was Aaron. Yeah, sure. I was glad, but I did. I and I did, felt was bad. Like, I was like, I don't know. Um, I felt bad. I know, but. He seemed pretty upset. Yeah, but he was nice about it. and Yeah. I don't know. Well. They just didn't feel like a match to me. So I'm glad that she sent him home. <laughs> Isn't this what we said? The top three Joey yeah, Xavier dogs? from the beginning, which was literally like four weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were right. You were so I think it just right. speaks to like how how different her connections are with them as opposed to like everyone else that was there. And how formulaic the show is to where like you can just 
tell yeah edit (laughs) yeah when you've been watching as long as we have you're an expert you know the tricks of the trade yeah um so yeah tune in next episode where we'll be talking about we're always gonna be talking about the bachelorette right they're going to fiji finally I was like, well, at least you get a good place to go to, finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're going to be there for the rest of the season. I guess next week is Fantasy Suites, and then Mental All, and then Finale. Yep. Crazy. We're we're almost done. Um, All right. Moving right along to the moment you've all been waiting for Barbenheimer. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's get in. Let's dive let's in. in. Let's get into it. These two movies are still taking the world by storm. Sweeping the nation and sweeping the, the nation. Globe. I went, like I said, I went to Oppenheimer on Sunday, and it was completely sold out. Like, all the showings I looked at were, like, all sold out. The pickings so were slim. Awesome. I know. I was so excited. Um, Two weeks in a row. Yeah. It's um, really, really should, cool. Are we going to talk about Oppie, then Barbie, dinner, then dessert, or? Yeah, what do you think we should do? Oppie, Barb. Yeah. We're not doing Oppie. Barbenheimer, we're doing Oppie Barb. Doing Oppen Barb. <laughs> Arpen B. Oppen yeah. Oppie. <laughs> I was looking at the box office today. Mm-hmm. The worldwide total for Barbie at this point is $795 million. It's and definitely going to hit a billion. And the worldwide for Oppie is $412 million, which is crazy. That is crazy. Freaking Super Mario Brothers movie. And Guardians of the Galaxy are the only two in front of Barbie for the year. Um, yeah, but Barbie hit like a certain threshold like way faster. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, it's only its second week. So you can imagine yeah. how much it'll do in its run at the theaters. Yeah, it's insane. Um, so I think that what the, the opening weekend was like the fourth biggest ever or something like that for both movies. Or for just the box office in general. Uh-huh. Um, which is awesome. 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 All right. <laughs> Let's get into Oppie Poppy. <laughs> Oppie Pops. Okay, so I guess I'll read the letterboxed synopsis as we usually do. We're going to treat this like a watching up segment because these were our two assignments for the week. Um, so Oppenheimer is a film directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, the uh, letterbox synopsis is the world forever changes. The story of J. Robert Oppenheimer's role in the development of the atomic bomb during World War II. That's it. <laughs> That's all there is. <laughs> That's all there is on letterbox. Um, that pretty much sums it up. This is a three-hour movie, uh-huh. and I was I was brave. I didn't even have to take a potty break. <laughs> I know. I did I take like, a potty break. I wonder what I missed. <laughs> I was like, I'm not drinking water. I'm not drinking a drop of anything. <laughs> but I did see a TikTok where some girl like told you a good point to go to the bathroom. So I was like, I had that in my back pocket in case I needed it. I did it. too. But then like, I couldn't 
like when that part came, it wasn't clear to me that it was the part she was talking about. And I was like, wait, was that it? And then it didn't stand out to me like as like a particularly good point to go to the bathroom. But I guess there's really no like in this movie, there's really no good point. (laughs) For a three hour movie, it was very fast paced. I felt like the pacing was like very a lot was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I guess I'll give my thoughts since I think you gave yours a little last week and then I can mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah. I freaking loved it. I knew you were going to. <laughs> I thought I was going to, but with Nolan and me, you never know. No, but I knew it was so like, it was so the best parts of him not the ones that you right. like have trouble with so I like knew that right. I like it yeah ah! I know yeah I'm glad you liked it we talked about last week how uh, one of our the other podcasts that we listened to uh one of the hosts said that this was his favorite Nolan film mm-hmm. and I think it's probably my favorite too yeah I mean there's I haven't seen a lot of them and I think Previous to this, I would have said The Dark Knight, which I haven't seen in a long time. So obviously there mm-hmm. are things that I need to catch up on. But yeah, I mean, it, I, it's a masterpiece. I don't know. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you what? I did something crazy. So uh, I, <laughs> I love this movie. Oh and I, on Letterboxd, they gave it four stars. Uh-huh. And then yesterday I went back, made it four and a half. <laughs> Girl, that's what you do when you that's love something. Crazy. That's you know that 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 means you were thinking about it. Yeah, that's I was like the longer I sat with it, the more I was like, yeah, okay. and that's fine. Yeah, because sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to like log this movie. I just finished watching it. I need to let it marinate. But then also I'm like, well, I can always go back and change it. If yeah, I yeah. Like I need to. And sometimes it helps you if you have it to look at where it's like you're looking at the four stars. And you're like, that yeah. seems you're a like, little low. Mm, and then I was like no. thinking, I was like, do I need to change Barbie to five? <laughs> <laughs> I but know. I just left it. Um. I need to watch Barbie again. I feel like I need to watch both of them again. Yes, I definitely. I really want to see. I really want to go see Oppenheimer in IMAX and see if that changes. I definitely want to see it in at least 70 millimeter, but definitely IMAX would be like ideal. Yeah. Um, But I don't. I didn't. When I was looking for tickets last week, I couldn't find a place that was like within a reasonable distance for me to go see it. Right. so I don't know. Maybe one day they need to do like special showings or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I freaking loved Oppenheimer. Who knew? Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? <laughs> um, okay, so do you want to like tell everyone what you thought about it? Like I know, like I said, you talked about it a little bit, but now that we're like going into spoilers and stuff. Yeah, so I think the way that it's structured, basically, if you haven't seen it, we can kind of talk about it in broad terms and then kind of we'll let you know when we're getting into spoilers. But I think one of the barriers might just be like, it's a three hour movie about this physicist. Like it doesn't sound (laughs) like 
it's gonna be like life changing. Exciting. But um the way it's structured is it really it's really interesting and it kind of goes through his early life, his life um working on Manhattan Project and then this trial that happened. So it's like pretty clearly cut into three acts. Um so his early life kind of becoming this like renowned scientist that he became. Mm-hmm. And then he got obviously hired by the government to carry out this project that we needed to create. So a, somebody in Europe had like split the atom. So that kind of kicked off this like race to make the first atom bomb. Um, yeah. And then so the United States at the time, like embroiled in World War II, had to that that was kind of like the call to action was like, we have to create it before the Nazis do. And yeah. then afterwards there's this whole subplot which is kind of like you don't really for me it was the most confusing part of it which I didn't really know what was going on the whole time Mm -hmm. with the um Robert Downey Jr. character that he is um on trial or kind of trial not really trial weird trial for um Mm -hmm. being associated with the communist party and um Basically, they're trying to decide if he should have a high-level security clearance within the U.S. government or not anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's very clearly like delineated into those three segments. Um, and all of them, to me, were equally as exciting as all the mm-hmm. other ones. Yeah. I don't know how he did that. The script, I thought, was really, really brilliant. Yeah. Um, And like I said, the pacing of everything, it made it exciting to watch. And Mm -hmm. like it made you want to go along for the ride, even though you didn't really know. Like it's a lot of conversations. Yeah. Um, It's like men talking is like one of the (laughs) right. One of the jokes I heard. Um, Basically, like there's like three women in this movie. It's like all men um, talking. not the best at writing women. So right. it's kind of to be expected. <laughs> so, but to take kind of that premise and like be able to create it into something that was exciting to watch and yeah, just like really gripping, I feel like is kind of a miracle. Yes. Um, so and I think especially, especially for Nolan, because I feel like what you would expect from him and this premise would be much more confusing than it actually was. Right. Um, And I really, one of the things that I've talked about that I don't love about his films is just like over explaining and like being very convoluted as far as like the, um, what's the word? Like how things work. Mm -hmm. Um, But this, in this film, I'll say that he didn't, he didn't over explain it and he didn't, give the vibe that like you had to explicitly understand every single thing that was going on in every single right. aspect of the science that they were using, right. um, which is the right choice. <laughs> and that's kind of what I meant. Like when I first talked about, it and I said, I was really su- pleasantly surprised by his restraint mm-hmm. in this movie and just the way he kind of told a really good story in a really interesting way. Yeah. And that was kind of like, as simple as, as as simple terms as you can put it. Yeah. Um, but also, like I said, this wasn't a story that I was at all familiar with. I wasn't 
I didn't even really know the name Oppenheimer until this movie started being marketed, yeah. which is kind of like embarrassing. But um, I knew yeah. that all that I knew is like I knew what the name the Manhattan Project, but I didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like I, I always not... heard it, but I never knew like what that was referring to. And that is a criticism of like. I feel like some, and there was a lot of differences in obviously like our education and stuff, but like, I do feel like in the American education system, there's like this undercurrent of like, we don't really like learn about the like dark past of our nation, like in a way that's like really explained well or like taken seriously. So um, yeah, it's just interesting to see. And as from somebody who's, um, British to like have such strong a strong point of view on like everything that happened Mm -hmm. and there was a lot about American politics in here too which I found really interesting yeah which I found really interesting and I didn't really necessarily expect that at all from this movie and I thought it was really well done so yeah totally yeah I agree 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 yeah. But anyways, do we want to do our categories or do we want to? Yeah, I guess. We came up with like some categories to like frame our discussions. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about it last week, how we wanted a fun way to kind of like guide our discussions uh, around the watching up movies that we watch. Mm-hmm. So we decided to kind of use this episode as a test for some of them. We have a few ideas, but we're just going to use some that I felt like would be easy to talk about with these two movies. Yeah. So first one that we have is Favorite Scene, which I think we probably both have the same one. Yeah. What's Do you want yours? me to go? Yeah. Um, my favorite scene is when they finally do the test of the trinity test yeah (laughs) the trinity test um this is this was like such a fucking exciting scene so exciting my heart was racing i I I was literally shifting in my seat like just like we were having like bodily like reactions (laughs) to what was happening yeah and like you could tell everybody in the theater like it was like a lot of anxiety yeah um and it was just so well done, like the way that, yeah. and the fact that this whole movie is about a bomb, but there really is only like one scene mm-hmm. where you get to like, and the fact See that it. he doesn't do like, pra- he doesn't do CGI, it's all practical effects. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like pretty crazy to think about. Um, it's like insane. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So basically, they're all out in New Mexico at, um, the testing site. Um, there's so many people in this movie too. Like we're probably not going to cover everybody, but like it's, this uh, is the best Killian supporting Murphy. cast of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's got Killian Murphy. We've got, um, uh, oh, Josh Hartnett. We've got, uh, Josh Peck. We've got, who didn't, I don't even think had any lines. <laughs> um, Benny Safdie. Benny Safdie. Who else is there? Um, Jack uh, Quaid, Quaid. Jack Quaid. Um, Matt Damon, obviously. Matt Damon was there. Basically, the scene is so exciting because there's like all these different players and they all have a different opinion of how this might go. Mm -hmm. And no, obviously, like 
Oppenheimer works in theory. That's like what his like science is. And so like you don't really know what's going to happen until you test it basically. So like there's a scene with. Which is insane to imagine. Like I literally just can't like wrap my head around that. Yeah, the fact that they would even, like, risk it. (laughs) Someone who lives my life through trial and error. It's like, there is no error. There's a scene with Killian Murphy and um, Matt Damon where he's like, what are, like, the odds that when we, like, press that button, like, we, like, destroy the world, basically. And he's like, it's nearly zero. (laughs) And they're like, (laughs) nearly zero? Like, there's no way to zero. be sure that like yeah. what you're about to do isn't gonna literally ruin Blow everything. Yeah. Um, so that is pretty crazy. Um, and then just the countdown, just everyone getting ready, they putting on sunscreen and like Sunglasses. just not knowing. Like I just felt like they were just even too close. I know they like had a <laughs> They had a yeah, they had a radius, but they were out there in like lawn chairs, like watching. (laughs) It's like a fireworks show on the Fourth of July. I was like, literally, I would be like behind a brick wall or something. Yeah, and um, so it was just it was kind of funny because there was kind of like this undertone of like dark humor. They were like taking bets on like if it would basically destroy the world which is funny because if it did they wouldn't have no way of like collecting um and (laughs) so yeah and then when it counts down and then they press the button and it goes off like the the sound that's another thing about this movie the sound design is so like it shakes you in your bones visceral yeah yeah visceral that's a good word and then so like the build up to this bomb going off is so intense and it's getting louder and louder and louder. And then when it finally detonates, basically he sucks all the sound out of the room and it's just like pure silence. Yeah. And like you it's could hear so chilling. Pin, you could hear a pin drop in the theater. I know. Like, no one was even breathing, I don't think. Um So that was probably my favorite. Which is probably how the people felt there. They're literally like coming to the realization of what this means for the world. Right, exactly. And it's like crazy. It was so cool and like such a good decision and like something that not a lot of people would have done, I don't think. Yeah. Like he nailed it, I feel like. Um, And yeah, and obviously that kind of comes from the fact that there would be like a delayed sound when the explosion Mm -hmm. was off and so he really utilized that time before the actual um explosion like was audible right yeah cool yeah everyone it was just like it was a surreal experience i feel like everybody in the theater was like dead (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um yeah and then he says and now I am become death. <laughs> Destroyer of the world. <laughs> yep. So that was my favorite scene. Was that yours? That yeah, that was mine. <laughs> yeah. It just was so, so perfectly executed. I, like, could not deal. I could not deal. Um. Okay, okay. so <laughs> next we have least favorite scene. 
which I honestly still didn't write anything for you. This one was harder for me for this movie than yeah. like for Barbie. I had a couple, and for this one, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, well, um, say yours, and maybe I'll just agree with you. <laughs> so the the hard part with this is like the scenes are kind of like interspersed. So like the whole scene isn't like linear. Like you'll see a little bit of this scene and then it'll come back to it Mm -hmm. um so I was just gonna say like the courtroom and I don't mean like the kangaroo court like where he's in a little room being questioned I mean like the real courtroom with the judge and like that I guess to me that was like the least exciting scene I don't know yeah Yeah. no I get you the even the black and white portion yeah um yeah yeah there was a point when we were kind of These, like we said, these timelines are kind of interspersed and like crossing over each other. And so that's the part that kind of could get a little confusing. And I felt like I was keeping up with it pretty well until the point where it's like shifting from the the time of the Manhattan Project and then we're fully going into like the courtroom Mm -hmm. part. I don't know. I got a little bit lost in there somehow, but... It can't, like yeah. now thinking back on it, it kind of makes more sense. But as I was sitting there, I was like, "Wait, wait, where are we?" Um, he utilized this, um, I guess, technique where some parts of the movie were in black and white and some were in color. And I know he's done that before. I think in Memento, Memento which yeah. I haven't seen. I haven't seen it either. In Memento, it was like the parts in black and white were objective, and the parts in color were subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the same. I think in this movie, I re- I was reading up on it. It's more like the parts in black and white were in third person, and the parts in color were from first person and op- from Oppenheimer's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really crazy. That's how the script apparently was written. To like some of the script was written in first person, which is not yeah. how it usually is. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, to me, and this kind of ties in with the like recast, my recasting answer. But yeah, that the scene like in the courtroom in black and white, not Robert Downey Jr. Obviously, I think he was one of the best parts. Yeah. But um, just like that scene, I don't know. Yeah. I guess to me, and it was hard for me to even come up with anything because I enjoyed all of it. Yeah. But if I had to pick, that would probably be mine. Okay. Okay, so let's go with favorite element. And so this would refer to, you know, I don't know, you think of maybe things that would be nominated for Oscars, like cinematography, script writing, set production, like editing, sound editing, like anything like that. It can go beyond that, but, you know, those are kind of the ones that came to mind for me. Um, I said, oh, go ahead. So I kind of had two. <laughs> I couldn't pick. Um, my two were uh, either acting or editing. Mm-hmm. So just acting in general. Obviously, all the performances were great. But if we were wanting to call out something that wasn't quite as at the forefront, I guess, I would say editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those are really good answers. I feel like all of all of the, like top ones it was excellent that i put cinematography yeah um it was just so because good. there was a lot of good 
cinematography. Yeah. Um, but I also, if, if I had to put a second one, I'd probably put um, sound design. Yeah. But awesome. like all the above the board like nominations, I feel like it'll get nominated for for sure. It's gonna win so many Oscars. <laughs> um, <laughs> I yeah, I just really loved the way that um, it kind of. I feel like the editing of um, like every so often there would be just an unexpected like vision that Oppenheimer was having of like explosions or like loud noises or like puddles or like something Mm -hmm. like that that would kind of take you off guard because they were very loud but also very kind of like out of place yeah and I feel like that was very effective to just kind of like give us a little window into inside his mind a little bit yeah Um, for sure so that kind of stood out to me um but literally every like all of the elements in this movie were like so impressive yeah for sure um Okay, let's go with what role we would play <laughs> if we were in this movie. There's literally only three women. I mean, I guess we could <laughs> play men if we wanted to. Um, yeah, I went with a guy. I was like, I don't want to be Kitty or Joan. <laughs> I put I put Jean Tatlock. Oh, Jean, yeah. Because, um, I don't know, I just like that character. I thought she had more to do than the wife character did yeah um yeah i love love florence Pugh. i thought she was yeah obviously i wouldn't i couldn't ever do as good as her but uh, if i had to pick (laughs) i also liked there was like one female scientist in the manhattan project and i liked her too so i was like maybe her yeah but i think i'll be the communist yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I liked the female scientist too. I could have picked her, but the one that I went with was Josh Peck's character. <laughs> because you're just kind of there. <laughs> I'm there, but I serve an important role. And that's what matters. <laughs> yes, that's what matters. For real quick before we move on, um, I want to talk about one of my gripes with the movie, and we kind of touched on this is like um he um and when i say he i mean christopher nolan has been criticized <laughs> in the past H. for <laughs> <laughs> just kidding has been criticized <laughs> in the past for um his portrayal of female characters and the way he writes them and how they don't really serve a big purpose in the plot and um i think that this kind of has a similar problem but um mm-hmm. emily blunt is amazing she can do anything and I feel like this character was so underwritten yeah that it kind of made me upset because I felt like she it could have been better and yeah had they spent more time develop obviously there's not a lot of time and I don't know what was cut out and like in the editing bay and like Mm -hmm. all that but like there was this so Emily Blunt plays um Oppenheimer's wife and the mother of his children and like basically from the time they meet she's already kind of disillusioned with her life Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then like you find out she's like has a problem with alcohol and like she's kind of this like very um stone-faced kind of character which is fine but I just felt like they needed to develop more like of her motivation and like why she was like that yeah um 
So that was my one of my only gripes with the movie because I just feel like Emily Blunt is such a talent and can do anything. And like, right. It just wasn't like that character wasn't good enough. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. And it's pro- it's like one of those things where you can tell that this character and this person was probably so complex and probably had such a bigger hand in like Oppenheimer's and life. I learned this and like from another. I learned from another podcast that she was actually a scientist too, and I and that's like one of the reasons she was like kind of disillusioned or like disappointed in her life was because she felt like she was relegated to the role of like mother and housewife which makes total sense and apparently there was a line in the movie that explained that but I totally missed it um, missed it too I didn't know that so like I just feel like there was like more there that could have been explored for sure yeah especially when you're writing a movie that is like only men it's like wouldn't you try to just like <laughs> c- c- grab onto any opportunity you have to like right out of actually fully formed with female character mm, men talking yeah <laughs> i mean and the same could honestly be said with the florence Pugh character which i feel Definitely. like there was a little more there but also like they didn't explore at all like i didn't understand why her and oppenheimer like she didn't want to be with him for real for some reason i didn't get that i was like why you obviously like like him <laughs> like you know yeah. like so it was just like there was more there and she obviously like maybe struggled with mental health issues and like there was like a scene where she either commits suicide or like there's also a theory I think out there that she was assassinated so they kind of like leave it open to interpretation there's a very quick did you notice the quick shot of the hand pushing her under the water it's like very very quick but a lot of people didn't notice it the first time they saw it but yeah Yeah. it's kind of like one of those like what actually happened here Um, Uh uh-huh so, so I feel like I, I honestly would watch a whole movie about that character because I was very interested in what she was doing and saying. Um, yeah, seriously. Seriously. But yeah, that's my only gripe with that. Okay. Love it. I agree. Um, okay. So our next category is what role would we recast and with who? Um can I go first on this one? Because <laughs> yeah. I like my answer. I like so, my answer too. I would recast Mr. Rami Malek. <gasps> That's my answer! <laughs> oh no! I knew it! Oh my gosh. Well, we'll pro- I'm sure we'll have different people for who we would recast him with. I was like, surely we won't pick the same person because <laughs> there's so many people in this movie. Well, I That's think that's hilarious. just... I think that speaks to maybe how much he kind of like stuck out, at least to me. And it sounds me like and maybe Nick to you. were laughing yeah. every time he was on screen. So Rami <laughs> like Malik we looked at is, each other and we're like laughing. Rami Malik is someone that I have found over the years of like watching his work to be pretty one note. And I feel like he's always doing the same thing in everything yeah. that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And. I just, uh, I would have put someone else in his place in this movie. And so my kind Should of... Should we jer- say who he plays? Oh, yeah. So Describe he plays... His role. He plays... Uh, his name is David Hill, who was a member of the... I guess the part of the team that was working in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just kind of like... Uh, he's very much like to the side throughout most of the movie. Like he's just kind he's of like, like a in fly the background. On the wall. 
Yeah, he's in the background kind of, like, taking everything in. And then Uh towards the end of the film, like, during the trial with the Robert Downey Jr. character, he comes Mm -hmm. in and basically, like, tells everything that he's kind of, like, all the information that he's kind of, like, collected from what he was doing. He's, like, Um, for lack of a better word, he becomes, like, the smoking gun in the case because he has, like, all this, like documentation and like right, witness right. so many things but he was kind of just like there in the background the whole time yeah just kind of like harboring information um and so my kind of joke answer to this would be nicholas braun because we all know how good he is in front of congress <laughs> oh my god you're gonna <laughs> die at my answer my real answer and one thing that um I wanted to, I guess, point out of that I really appreciated and thought was a really smart uh, thing that was done in this film is that he casts so many people with very like distinct faces, either very well known people or very distinct looking people, because there are so many moving parts in this movie. And there's so many characters who play important roles, but aren't necessarily like the biggest roles. So it's kind of like good to be able to point to that person like, oh, that's the Josh Peck guy. He's the guy who pushed the button or like, oh, that's the Alex Wolf guy who like reported about the atoms being split or whatever. Um, And so I want Will Poulter to be in the Rami Malek role because Mm -hmm. he's another very distinct face. He fits the bill. You can see him kind of like, uh, kind of like blending into the background, but at at the right time he comes forward and just kind of like gives you what you need him to give. Yeah. So that's my answer. Yeah, I could, I could definitely I could definitely see him in that role for sure. I okay, like, who is yours? Okay, so I also picked I would recast Rami Malik. Um <laughs> like I said, me and my husband literally were like looking at each other and like giggling every time we saw him because we were like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> what is he doing? And then when like you said when he finally gets his like time because i was like there's no way that they put him in this movie just to like stand in the background and take notes like there's no way because it doesn't come into like the last maybe 15 minutes of the movie where he gets to talk yeah um and then it was kind of just like okay like like you said one note but i was thinking if they want somebody with the same like little freak in the background (laughs) energy that's just kind of like taking it all in and like taking notes and like following Oppenheimer around I was gonna say Kieran Culkin would have killed it oh my god (laughs) (laughs) wait that's good too that's so funny we're on the same we're on the same wavelength um yeah yeah he would be a good little freak a little freak in the background (laughs) I mean that's basically what the role was so yeah um but yeah it was so funny just like that was the one part that kind of took us out of it was just seeing I agree. Like, what is he doing <laughs> yeah I agree I was like why is freaking why is Freddie Mercury here no um, <laughs> yeah I'm glad we can agree on that <laughs> um, yeah I so- think everybody else that I tried to think of I was like I just feel like they, they really yeah it was like you know, that was literally the one role that I would recast. It, every This movie was so well cast. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all of our categories. Um, 
let's see what else did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about uh okay so obviously we're in spoiler territory now but i also like for my follow-up not follow-up my second favorite scene has got to be the final scene mm-hmm. um so there's this whole um plot of the movie which opens kind of with the robert downey jr character and they're at his house and they're kind of talking and they're kind of like on the same team at this point and then you see like out on on the grounds albert einstein is out there and so oppenheimer goes and talks to him and then you don't really see what they're talking about. You see it from like Robert Downey Jr.'s perspective, what they're talking about. And then Robert Downey Jr.'s character walks out there and Albert Einstein kind of walks by him and doesn't like give him the time of day. So um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, and I keep saying that because I don't remember anybody's names, um, is like basically thinks that whatever Oppenheimer said to him, like basically they were talking about him. And so that's kind of like the vendetta that he holds throughout the whole movie of like whatever he said to him, like turned Albert Einstein against him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to the end of the movie and um, the person that kind of plays Robert Downey Jr.'s like, I guess, assistant or like he he kind of plays like the audience almost like he's kind of guiding us through this like trial and like what everybody's thinking and he's like telling him about this instance with albert einstein and he's like what if they weren't talking about you at all what if they were talking about something more important and like so (laughs) yeah and so like basically the final scene of the film is showing like that conversation that um albert einstein and oppenheimer had which i think i read actually didn't happen (laughs) so this is like yeah. Up. But um, he tells him that he says this is after like the Manhattan Project, after they've bombed Japan and all this stuff. And he asks Albert Einstein, he's like, do you remember when we were talking and I was afraid that like this invention was going to destroy the world? And he's like, yeah, of course, I remember that. And Oppenheimer basically goes, I think I did, basically. Mm-hmm. And like it's like bum bum bum, and yeah. it's like chills up and down your spine. Yeah, and then like that's why Einstein's walking away. He's just like thinking about what he said and like the gravity of all of this. And mm-hmm. he's obviously not paying attention to Robert Downey Jr.'s character at all. So he just kind of like has a lot on his mind, obviously. And yeah. so I just thought it was such a brilliant way to wrap up the movie. Mm-hmm and very effective and just like I love a I love a string that like gets like tied up at the end yeah like it opens up at the beginning and then you tie it up like a little present at the end so right that was probably my second which also isn't like a Nolan thing to do like you would Mm -mm. you could imagine that he would just leave you hanging and be like what were they talking about but I love that he didn't (laughs) yeah Um, yeah exactly yeah so I think my second favorite was towards the end of the movie too where it was a very intense part where everything was coming to a head between the two uh timelines I guess where it was like intercutting Robert Downey Jr. like yelling about um what what Oppenheimer did to him and stuff like that and also um the lawyer in the closed hearing who was played by Jason Clark 
kind of like Mm -hmm. getting into the interrogation with Oppenheimer and being like he was really good yeah and then that's when everything the lighting got really blown out and like it was just really effective um Mm -hmm. I also liked the I feel like after the um after the bomb had been dropped on Japan um that first like press conference that he did where everyone was cheering in the stands. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, as he got more and more stressed, you could see the background behind him, like shaking as if like a Mm -hmm. bomb was going off outside the building or something. And Mm -hmm. then all the sound went out except for like the sound of people shuffling in their chairs and like, and then he Mm -hmm. saw the girl with like her skin coming off as if he mm-hmm. was seeing someone who was in Japan at the time that the bomb went off, who that girl was played by Christopher Nolan's daughter, by the way. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, I thought that was very, really, really cool. There were a couple of points where he used that same kind of device of like the room shaking around him. Yeah, which I liked. that was like a really intense scene. And I liked, I think before this movie came out, a lot of people were kind of like pre- angry which i think is like something that (laughs) happens nowadays which is ridiculous about like why aren't we seeing it from like the the perspective of the japanese i'm like that would be a great movie but that's that's not the story we're telling (laughs) like you know like when this happened when he did this this was his perspective he wasn't there he didn't see the devastation he didn't like there wasn't a way to viscerally know what he had done. What he did. And the film In literally the tells you that because there's a part where they're being shown a slideshow. One of the characters had like gone to Hiroshima and Nagasaki to get like report back with data or whatever. It got photos. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where he's being shown the slideshow, but we're not seeing anything. We're just seeing Oppenheimer's face. And then he literally looks away. Like he averts his eyes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's giving you the feeling of, like, he, like, didn't even know what actually happened. Yeah. And it doesn't let him off the hook either. This isn't, like, let's all, like, really, like, praise this man and, like, respect him for what he did and all this stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's more complicated that as anything in life is. Yeah. And it's, like... Yes, like the goal was to create this before the Nazis did. But did he know that it was going to automatically be taken and used? Probably not. Um, Is that naive? Probably. Probably, yes. He says later in the movie that they never really wanted, like Benny Safdie's character was really interested in creating the H-bomb, which is even would be even more devastating than an A-bomb. Yeah, And he said that like after he saw that after he realized that any weapon they create is going to be used, he decided he's not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, So it's just so crazy. Like, can you imagine like the weight of like that on your shoulders? Like it's I just don't even know what I would do. Like, not that I would even ever be that smart, but I like understand the. I understand the, I guess, the task at hand was important because if, and they didn't even know, I guess, in any real way, if the Nazis would have ever been able to get there the way that we did. Mm -hmm. But like, obviously you understand like the urgency at the time and like, 
right. would want to be in like control of that situation. So like, it's just like a hard question to answer and it doesn't really have a right answer. I feel yeah. like. I feel like being presented with the opportunity to literally be a part of history is obviously an enticing one. And like yeah. the desire to be not only a part of history, but on the right side of history, which he thought he was doing because he was going to beat the Nazis was of probably utmost importance to him. So, But it was also I, very critical, I feel like, of him as like a yeah. person that never really knew where he stood or knew yeah. what he believed in. He like was friends with communists, but he would never like join them. And he was kind of like working for the government, but would never like back the decisions that they made. Mm-hmm. And like, so he was kind of like in this like Switzerland place where he's like, I'm none of these things. But at the end of the day, you can't live your life and not like, t- like pick what you like, like a point of view. At least and not there in was that a really, high of a position of power you can't, like, exactly. especially. And there was a good scene, I feel like, with Benny Safdie's character where he, like, goes and talks to the kangaroo court and they're basically asking him if he felt like he was sympathetic with um, the communists in Russia. And he's like, no, he's never, like, told me that. But then they asked, he or he's like... There's nothing that he's done that would make me believe that he is like working as a spy on the American government. But then they ask him if he should like have security clearance. He basically says no because he doesn't know what where his allegiances lie. He doesn't know mm-hmm. what he believes in. And like there's a funny scene where like Emily Blunt's character like doesn't shake his hand because of that. Yeah. But like and my husband was like, yeah, get him. But I was like, at the end of the day, I feel like he was right. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you can if I know you for so many years, but I don't know what like your core value system is, what your core beliefs are, like at the end of the day, like what side you're going to be on when it comes down to it, then like I wouldn't trust you either. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think he really did a good job of presenting a character that can be like sympathetic but also complex. open to criticism yeah. and complex and For obviously sure. not perfect. Um For sure. Good job, Christopher Nolan. You won me over. <laughs> you won her over. <laughs> I don't know if you'll ever do it again. But we'll, we'll see what you do next. <laughs> yeah. Um all right. Should we move on to dessert? As you say. Yes. Dessert that ended up being a second dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now we're going to move along and talk about Barbie. Dessert. Everybody, like, I think everybody expected it to be dessert, but it ended up being a lot meatier. It's a feast. I think anybody. It's a feast. We got to feast all weekend. It was wonderful. Um, So Barbie 2023, directed by Greta Gerwig. She's everything. He's just Ken. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. Um, (laughs) So So good. The stakes are just as high, honestly. The stakes as often. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, obviously you're probably in the minority at this point. The minority. Minority. (laughs) (laughs) The minority at this point. But um, basically this movie opens with um, a really funny monologue about the, it's Helen Mirren is um, narrating, which I didn't know going into it that she was going to be the narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a surprise. She's narrating about like when, uh, how little girls have always had dolls and it's like an homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I still haven't seen, but I know from context that it is. Um, and upon the invention of the Barbie, um, basically little girls had like uh, something to look up to and Barbie ended um, the patriarchy (laughs) in the real world, or at least that's what they think in Barbie land. They think everything is as perfect in the real world as it is in Barbie land because of the invention of Barbie and all that she can accomplish. Um, So I thought that was fucking hilarious. And everyone laughed so hard when it was like, and everything has been perfect ever since. (laughs) Like like everyone was like laughing. It was so funny. Mm -hmm. And so then we get to go to Barbie land and see Barbie in her natural habitat. She wakes up, she has a perfect day. Everything goes right. And then all of a sudden (laughs) she starts having ideations of death. (laughs) So... Um, she has, she finds out she has to go to the real world to figure out who's playing with her and why they are kind of not having a good time. Um, so that's kind of like the whole theme of the movie, I guess, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it, because I really didn't know what it was going to be about, like going into it. Yeah. So Barbie and Ken embark on an adventure to go to the real world, find her human that's playing with her and figure out what's wrong so they can go back to Barbie land and everything can be perfect again. Mm -hmm. So obviously that's not what happens. They go to the real world. Uh, She finds out that everything's not okay. Everything's not perfect in the real world as it is in Barbie land. Um, She has all the full spectrum of human emotion in one hour it seems like she experiences mm-hmm. it all um and then ken finds out about the, the patriarchy <laughs> and, and is super stoked to go back and tell all the other kens what he <laughs> discovered um so they find who has been playing with her and it ends up not being a kid but a woman who's played by America Ferreira and her daughter. They accompany Barbie back to Barbie Land where um Ken has overthrown the government and it's now <laughs> Ken Land instead of Barbie Land. And so they have to come up with um a plan to take back um control of everything to make sure that Barbie Land stays Barbie Land. Um and basically, it all wraps up. They take back Barbie Land, and it all wraps up in the fact that Barbie's now kind of had this like really, um, really human experience, and she doesn't feel like she can go back to the way things were. So um, she decides to become human and kind of get the full the full experience of what it, it's like to live a life. Um, and the final scene is her going 
and you think she's like going to like a job interview or something uh-huh. and they show her and she's like wearing Birkenstocks and she's like, well, who are you here to see today? And she's like, I'm here to see my gynecologist. <laughs> and it just like cut to black. The movie's over. And that was like so funny. Iconic. Iconic. Absolute iconic. So that was just like a quick rundown of the movie, but we'll obviously go into our categories, but we fucking loved it. Yes. Everybody in our, like everyone that I've talked to has loved it, except for Ben Shapiro. And if you (laughs) listen to him, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, Yeah. Or anyone in his circle. (laughs) (laughs) Exhausting, but you'll have a fun time. Like it's, it's so funny. It's so original, the Mm -hmm. acting, the sets. It's just, it's just a great movie. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. So like, I don't great. know what else you want <laughs> if it's you don't have fun in this movie. <laughs> it's literally an instant classic. Like, yeah, I think, I believe, and I hope that it'll go down in as like a clueless or like, mm-hmm. or you know, a uh, Mean Girls type of. The way it's already being quoted and memed and and, like the sounds and like everything. I just feel like it's like inevitable, but. It's so good. Yeah. It's really good. So let's get into our categories, girl. Let's go party. (laughs) What was your fave scene? Okay. My favorite scene was there were there's obviously so many to pick from with both these movies like these all these questions are kind of like if we had to pick one but um right uh i think that my favorite scene would be the one where uh they are all being serenaded by Ken's on the beach to Matchbox 20's push. (laughs) (laughs) That probably, I think that probably got the craziest like uproar of laughter in my, in my screening of it. Um, It was so (laughs) hilarious. Like just that whole sequence. I think it, I think it happens at a point where they're trying, they've kind of got a game plan and now they're all trying to distract the Kens um, Mm -hmm. and mess with their heads a little bit to kind of pit them against each other. (laughs) And so they, there's this like montage of them all being like, all the Barbies are being kind of like woed by the Kens and taken on dates and stuff. And it all, uh, kind of climaxes on the beach where they they've all pulled out their guitars so funny. as men who play guitar are wont to do <laughs> and, and there are so being- many of these jokes too <laughs> the the jokes at the expense of men are so just relatable yeah like they're so inspired they're so <laughs> true and funny yeah. and not mean none of not it mean. i felt like was mean spirited but it's just so on point that it like i was like crying laughing and i think that's such because a- i'm like we're all having the same experience right and <laughs> like- i think it's such an important thing to note that it's none of it is mean spirited and that's what these people who literally haven't seen the movie are going around touting all of this like bullshit anti-man it's yeah it's funny and like if you're not able to laugh at yourself then like go seek professional help help, like exactly (laughs) Uh, um but yeah that would probably be my uh on the top of my list so yeah I guess like mine like 
that scene falls under mine. I guess I did more like broad scenes, but I had two. It was when Ken discovered the patriarchy in the real world when he's kind of like running around the city. (laughs) Yeah, and horses. (laughs) And horses. And like he sees like, there's like an executive that like shushes a woman and he's like, what? And like, he's just like, it was so funny. And the way that Ryan Gosling like, acted these scenes was just so like spot on and like the tone was perfect that I just like I was dying laughing um and then I said the mojo dojo casa house which is basically the same scene you said where yeah, all, yeah. they come back and like bar the barbies are like would you like a brewski beer and all yeah of, all of the barbies are serving <laughs> them beers and they're just <laughs> acting so aggro and like playing push um by matchbox 20 (laughs) and yeah it was just so funny and there was so many jokes like that within that stretch that like like I said we were just so inspired like when Ryan Gosling at one point is like he takes over Barbie's house and he's like this is now my mojo dojo casa house yeah and she's like okay and he's like do you want to come inside so I can play the guitar at you and I like looked at my (laughs) husband and I was like that is you that is literally how does you it, how does it feel to look in the mirror <laughs> like I was dying laughing there's a joke where they're like they're trying to distract them and in one of the ways they distract them is they're like will you explain the godfather to me mm-hmm. and it's so funny the way Issa Rae yes. says godfather the godfather Should get an Oscar <laughs> Should get an Oscar <laughs> um yeah so those were definitely my favorite parts and the funniest parts I thought absolutely yeah the whole part the whole part where Ryan Gosling is wearing his fur coat is just (laughs) top tier (laughs) and it makes it even better that that was like an actual Ken outfit like yeah (laughs) I fucking love it and yeah it's so good and then there was also some like touching scenes that I liked too like I liked the scene where Barbie was in the real world and just like looking at everybody at the park and like mm-hmm. some people were like laughing with each other some people were fighting this like somebody was crying like she was seeing like all of all of the emotions and like the lives that these real people live and how they're just so much like I guess richer than like the life she lives <laughs> in yeah. Barbie land and I just that made me cry and she tells the old lady she's so beautiful and the old lady's like i know bitch it made me cry she's like i know yeah i mean and then the cry but yeah the montage of the home videos that were from like submitted by like the people who worked on the movie Mm -hmm. set to the Billie eilish song tears like Tears are rolling down my face. Tears. Um, it was so beautiful. Okay, least favorite scene. Again, I came up empty, but maybe you'll inspire me. <laughs> I had two. Um, I did not like the car chase scene. The car chase. There's a part where the Mattel executives are like chasing Barbie down to try to get her to go back in the box. And then... Hmm. America Ferrer and her daughter show up in like a blue like Chevy and it's obviously oh, yeah, like yeah, Spawn yeah. Con, which yeah. obviously the whole movie is Spawn Con, but this was like so like <laughs> I just it just felt like a commercial inside the movie. I didn't like it at all. Okay. Um 
So there was that part. And oh, and this is kind of sad, but the scenes with Rhea Perlman, I didn't love. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Who, they worked, they worked for me. They she was obviously a national treasure. I love her, but I just didn't really I don't know. She kind of came in as um the creator of Barbie. She's kind of like this like godlike figure in the movie. Um and I don't know. It just I was I would be okay with the concept, but I think they needed to do another once over on like integrating it into the rest of the story, I guess. Okay. That's just my opinion. I think my it's not even like a scene or anything, but I think that the portion where I think the portion where the chems were in charge was maybe just a smidge too long for me. Like I would have wanted them to come out of their brainwashing a little sooner and started yeah, putting their that. plan into motion. But that was yeah. really my only thing. Um, okay, favorite element. Do you want to go? I can go. Um, I have two. I, did I, two have, for two, I have two, too. Um, I put <laughs> script and set design. That's what I put. That's exactly my yeah. answer. Oh, my God. Yeah. Funny. No, literally, the script was so, like, nearly flawless to me. And I kind of said this, I think, on the last podcast. But when they announced, like, the bar- they're making a movie about Barbie, I was like, this is either going to be like the most brilliant thing or the dumbest thing that's ever existed because I didn't understand how they could like make a narrative story, like make sense and work. And like, I just feel like this, the script on this movie is magical and yeah, the way it doesn't like try to over explain, like we said, like the rules of the worlds or like how this all works. Like you just like kind of get into the world and you're along for the ride, and you're okay with everything. Like, yeah, it just, I was, it, it's I so was, smart. Yeah, I was like struck by how well it worked. Yeah, and especially like, and I feel like it's kind of is this movie was kind of like a joke a minute, and they all yeah. are funny, and it's like and they all hit. Yeah, they all hit. So it's like pretty. It's a pretty. Uh, it's a pretty big accomplishment. I feel like to be able to pull off something like this. One of the jokes I feel like was a good like example of this was the depression Barbie and how she watches the BBC Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like that works on so <laughs> many levels because like I guess Greta Gerwig is like I think she's like four years older than me or not that much older than me. Yeah, and I think like that's the, it shows the delineation of like the generational gap because like for me it's like the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice, but it's still yeah. Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, like and it works like no matter like what yeah. you. <laughs> and it's like not um, even it doesn't even have to be a Pride and Prejudice. There's always going to be like a fill in the blank. Like for it's whatever it thing. is for you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it just works on so many levels. Like for me, it would probably be the notebook. <laughs> the notebook, yeah. Uh, like it works. Yeah, um, totally. Um, okay, what role would we play if we were in this movie? So this is like, you're pretty much spoiled with options as far as, yeah. obviously there's so many like Barbies to want to be yeah. or to aspire to be. I yeah. think I would probably be the Kingsley Benadir cat <laughs> because I would be the one mansplaining the Godfather to you. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny. And I guess I took it more as like what if we just like transposed ourselves into this movie as instead of like like what would we want to play if we were an actor? 
character, you know? Like who, what character do you most identify, identify with almost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put weird Barbie. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> because I just like, I just liked her energy and I just feel like I could, I could see myself as weird <laughs> She Barbie. was so good. Kate McKinnon was perfect for that role. Yeah, she really was. Like, I could Again, never have done this movie was like perfectly cast um there was also like a really small part um where barbie's at comes into the real world and she's like what am i feeling i'm like i feel scared but uh, there's no like like object that i'm scared about and this woman annie mamalu comes up behind her she's like it's called anxiety i have it too (laughs) and like i was like i that would be me yeah i knew exactly what she was saying before she even said it it's like girl it's anxiety yeah yeah that was hilarious that was um Okay, well, speaking of this movie being perfectly cast, let's go into what role we would recast and with who. I feel like we're going to have the same answer again. Oh, really? Okay, what's yours? Okay, I would recast Simu Liu. Oh, that's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, not that he did a bad job, but I don't, I don't know. I just feel like there was a lot of people that could have matched um ryan gosling's energy a little better um, okay and i put who i would recast him with was james marston oh that's good i like yeah. that he should have definitely been a ken at least yeah at some point somewhere but i like i feel like that ken was like almost the the only other ken that had like something to do um, the antagonistic so, ken <laughs> yeah like they had to like they had to like bounce off of each other a little bit, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. Um, but I just feel like James Marsden would have been fun to see go head to head with Ryan Gosling. Yeah, that would be well. And the Notebook, it ties back into the Notebook. Oh yeah, I didn't <laughs> yeah, that would have been, been funny. Okay, I I went with a, a bit of a smaller role because, like I said, I really liked pretty much everyone in this movie, but I would have recast John Cena as Merman Ken. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, let's get Idris Elba in there. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> that would be cute. That would be cute. I, I also like had that. Jason Momoa, but I was like... Jason Momoa would have been really good too, but that might have been too on the nose. Yeah, it would have been very on the nose, and he probably had, like, some contract, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know, obligations or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Idris Elba could have brought something to the table. <laughs> I, I'm like imagining that. That's so funny. With long yeah, blonde hair. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, we both clearly loved this movie. Um, another one of my favorite scenes was uh Ken's Dream Ballet, which I thought was mm-hmm. very well executed and well mm-hmm. realized. Yeah, it felt it felt very true to like the old kind of like sound stagey musicals. Uh, like an American in Paris immediately came to mind because that has like a twenty minute long dream ballet in it, <laughs> and know, um, yeah. and I thought that was it was well deployed here. Yeah, for sure, and it didn't feel like out of place somehow, which I yeah. feel like those always kind of do, no matter what you do. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying I'm like against them, but I feel like if somehow, some way they wove it into <laughs> the <laughs> plot to where it didn't take me out of like the movie at all. So that was pretty miraculous, I feel like. 
Yeah. I felt like a lot of this movie was kind of, like, inspired by those kind of, like, soundstage musicals with all the props, especially the part where, like, Mm -hmm. they're going from Barbie land to the real world. And Mm -hmm. it's, like, you could see that happening on a stage where it's, like, people with the waves, like, going and, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she said that, like, when they were, like, talking about how to do the production design of, like, Barbie land, they were, like, well, how would they have, like, accomplished this in, like... 1950 basically and like let's do it that way and you can really feel like the handmade quality of like everything on screen and it just feels like so much like you can feel all the work that went into it and just it just it's so good it's so beautiful like I loved it so much she's so freaking smart and talented I'm just like this is your third movie girl this is your third no third movie that you've directed on your own i know i've done nothing of value in this world (laughs) um (laughs) what if there was just like a long pause and (laughs) we kept it in Um, um yeah there was also a there's so many like tiny little jokes like sprinkled throughout like the joke about America Ferrera's husband like doing yes. Duolingo where I like didn't even think she had a husband for like the longest time and then I he's know. just like on the couch and then at the end he like says si se puede and I was like quoting America to America let's go gotta kick it up I was, I was like I loved that I was the only one who really kind of like laughed at that in my theater and I was like y'all have seen gotta kick it up what? I was like, get <laughs> on it and like that's so funny that you said that because she, she's talked about she's like in the test screenings if there was like a joke that was only for like three people in the theater we kept it in because we because she's like no that joke is for that one person in the theater yeah that gets exactly it. And I like and that. I was thinking about that I think last week I was talking about like my experience seeing the movie and how I wasn't completely sure if the audience was going to be on board just like within the first few jokes or whatever. And then I mm-hmm. remembered that that was the 2001 portion. And I was like, well, maybe they just don't get it. Like, maybe mm-hmm. they aren't on the same page. And that's okay. Like, I'm not, I'm never going to be the person who's going to like scoff at anyone for not seeing 2001 A Space Odyssey. But like, it, you, like, like you said, me. like, not every joke is going to be for everybody. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. But there, the good thing is there's one coming in five seconds that might be for you. Exactly. So hang in there. Like the 2005 um, Pride and Precious. <laughs> or the 2007 Gotta Kick It Up. I don't know. I just made up that year, but sounds right. Or the 2004 um, Notebook. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, an instant classic. Maybe two instant classics. So that's our Barbenheimer breakdown. That's our Barbenheimer episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, we definitely want to know your thoughts. We always want to know your thoughts, but especially now. So feel free to email <laughs> now us. Now more than ever. <laughs> feel free to email us at watchingupod at gmail.com. Um, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at watchingupod. Pod, follow us on your podcast platform. Give us five stars. Help us out. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Any closing yeah. thoughts? 
as we close out this Barbenheimer extravaganza. Keep going to the movies. I know this we- past weekend was fun with yeah. Barbenheimer Palooza, but there's new movies opening every week. So keep going. Keep going to the movies, especially during the strike because we don't know mm-hmm. how many more movies are going to be released. <laughs> yeah. Next year there might not be as many. So So keep it keep keep on keeping on. Got to kick it up. Yeah. Si se puede. Si se puede. And on that note, si se puede. (laughs) It means yes, we can. (laughs) All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and we will see you next time with a brand new app. Bye. Bye. See ya. Love ya. Bye. Love ya. Bye. (laughs) No, no, that's all I have to say.